It's Ask the Bicycle Doctor, Episode 2. Well, here we are at the Bicycle Doctor. I have Mache here, Dr. Mache. Hello. And, <laughs> and I'm your T.O. Gomez. So, uh, Kyle's, Dr. Kyle is going to join us, but uh, his dog Mo got bit by a bit up by another dog, and he's uh, he's at the emergency vet. So we'll think we'll pass along some positive vibrations for Mo. Mo's in the shop here. Uh, I think he, I think he works on Fridays, right? Yes, <laughs> it's got a rotating schedule. So today's show, we're going to talk. Uh, this is something that that I know Mache is is very very familiar with is uh, how to take little kids and teach them how to ride and get them to their first mountain bike, right, or first mm-hmm. pedal bike. So you, you have twin sons? Yes. That, they're, uh, they're eight and a half now, and they can ride a bike pretty good. Yeah. I, well, but, but uh, you know, all started relatively young when they could walk. We got them these little bikes from ikea i think there were really four coaster wheels and they could just kind of sit on there and not fall off and they were just kind of sitting and pushing around there weren't even strider bikes mm-hmm. there were pre-strider machines and then you go to a strider bike and so they had like little little uh like what was what's on an office chair right Yes, on there. So yep, with a little little handle in the front, and you could really turn around, and they could use it as a little walking thing. But you know, they were walking at eight, nine months old. There was no stopping them. So I knew that get on the bikes relatively soon. But the problem was everything was just too big for them. Mm-hmm. Even their first striders from Trek, I had to cut the frame to lower the seat. Voided the warranty. <laughs> And uh, but they loved it. They loved it. And um, the big thing is getting a, a Strider with rubber wheels, mm-hmm. not plastic wheels, because it's easier to fall for a kid. And um, don't send them down the driveway onto a busy street because <laughs> they can get hurt. So flat surface. Uh, having other kids on Striders around them makes it more fun. And then then you just graduate. And we went from to an uh, early rider strider with a little knobbier, fatter tires, and they would just do it all winter, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then uh, at some point, you also throw a, a tricycle with a fixed gear mm-hmm. uh, so they can learn how to pedal. They get the concept of pedaling. So then you combine the great balance from the from the strider with the bike pedaling of a fixed gear on the on the uh, trike and you just put him on the what was it 16 inch belt driven early rider bike Hmm. with handbrakes front and back and there was no coaster brake a lot of parents are afraid uh, of the handbrakes the kids pick it up in three seconds there's that's just kind of a misconception that kids have to have a coaster brake and training wheels training wheels don't right because that's what that's what maybe we learned on right Mm -hmm. but coaster brake the handbrakes are the way to graduate them to what they're going to ride. Right. Because uh, they won't know any different. Right. That's all they know is handbrakes, and handbrakes are really good, and, and specific brands have little levers for little hands, and mm-hmm. that's what you want to look at. Uh, training wheels, uh, 
it's a very misleading word because it really the you don't really use any balance on it. You just kind of lean on one uh, side or the other and teaches you how not to yeah, balance. Right. You, know? you so. get the pedaling motion, but uh, you get the pedaling motion with the trike or other pedal toys, and then you get the balance. And the balance is the is the big thing for kids to learn. Once you know that when people say, "Once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget." Well, that's what. It's That's just like the point riding a bike. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. And and the biggest thing is to keeping the bike light, not making it too complicated. Um, gears, I wouldn't introduce gears till they can comprehend how to shift and, and what it actually does. Uh, anything that's fairly inexpensive gets to be heavy and you have suspension forks that really doesn't work, but it's just there for the sake of saying that you have a suspension fork. Kids can ride single-speed, rigid bikes until a certain age where they actually have enough strength and they can comprehend gears and they have enough strength they can go up and down hills. Yeah. Before that, meh, it's not really necessary. And I know you also had a tag-along type of bike. It's a Wahoo or a... Oh, yes, yes, the Wahoo. That was a good tool to teach them how to pedal as well. You, it's a, it's, It was like a trailer bike but they were in more of a reclined recumbent position with a five point harness they were they would stay out of the wind but they would be more outside versus a trailer i don't recommend trailers because the kids just beat the crap out of each other in the trailer (laughs) they get bored they get hot it's it's i mean imagine being pulled along in a box you know it's boring right Uh, but once you put them on that seat and you're out there outside with with and you can pedal you can have your juice box and you can see the birds fly and uh, you can wave to other people you're more outside they're more engaged and they can pedal too yeah and they learn the joy of cycling they they get to see the travel they get to see the wildlife they get to smell the smells get splashed by puddles get some wind in the face or occasional rock in the in the face, but <laughs> I know it's you know, like I always uh, gave my kids all their toys in the burley, so that's <laughs> so it uh, wasn't that boring for them. And we gave them frisbees, so when I rode through a puddle, uh-huh. they could just hold the frisbee up in front of their face and they didn't get sprayed. Uh, that that's a good point. My kids would I would get home and there's no toys in there; they would just throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trail of toys, toys like Goldilocks. So, you know, that's that brings us up to the point where your kids are pedaling now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is that a 20-inch bike, a 16-inch bike still? Where where are we at in the wheel So side? So, went 16 single speed, then we went to 20-inch uh, geared bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they rode a Trek uh, Wahoo. And uh, it had rim brakes. It was available. It was fairly light, mm-hmm. fairly inexpensive. And then... Graduated to a 24-inch mountain bike, one-by system, mm-hmm. nine gears in the back, hydraulic disc brakes, uh, rigid, mm-hmm. but tubeless tires. No suspension in the front because of where we are. The trails are smooth. There isn't too many big mountain descents, and, and it's more of an adventure trail bike. Um, but it opens up a lot of opportunities. The wheel size itself, increasing the wheel size and tire size and making it tubeless makes them so much faster. And, and and they're stronger. They can go a longer distance. And um, if we were out west in the mountains, I'd probably look at a 
suspension or a full suspension bike depends on where you live that's really where it comes down to. right and we're in wisconsin so our our trails don't have a great deal of uh, big rocky ledges or anything that suspension would be required unless you go to blue mount oh Ooh, my yeah. god that'll eat your wheels yes oh man i i rode there yesterday and what? just got my What'd you break? But handed to yeah, me, man. It's, it's rough. Oh. You know, <laughs> in fact, it's it's my favorite trail to ride in the winter on the fat bike. Oh, yeah? It's, yeah, yeah. It flows so nice, especially huh. good snow coverage. There's a crew out there that packs it down, and you can just, it's a different trail. Yeah, I know our friend, I, I see why our friend Leia Schneeberger, she's always riding out there. I see her, and I think that's like, you. That it would make you so much, there's twice as much climbing. Mm-hmm. As there is at Kettle at Blue Mound. I, I climbed 1,100 feet in five miles, whereas it would be 1,100 feet in, in 10 miles yeah. at Kettle. Yeah. So back back to the bikes. What what brand 24-inch uh, mountain bike did, what bike do your boys ride? Uh, the Early Rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, so Early Rider again. So adventure. you took them yeah. Yeah. up from the Strider. I did some research and I did some studying and I just like their philosophy and, and how they build bikes. And there's other companies that starting to do that, but they were kind of like, as far as I know, one of the first ones that hit the big market. And uh, the price is reasonable. It's it's a well-made product. It's kid-specific, you know, like the, the hubs, the brake levers, everything is size-specific, the crank length, the, and it's light. Mm, cool. Well... I, I pulled up, I did a little research and started to look at uh, the main brands that, that carry kids' bikes. And Raleigh, Trek, Specialized all carry kids' bikes that are in that 20-pound range. You know, mm-hmm. they're not that 40-pound bike that comes out of a big box store where your kid's not necessarily going to grab the passion of... Cycling of, when the bike is twice your weight, you know. Right, exactly. Um, so be careful what you uh, what you go for. The and, and there's a new name, Vitus is is a new name that I hadn't heard before. Yes, I uh, believe that's British uh, company. They, we've know. had some bikes here. We we've worked on some bikes. Uh, they're well made. Also, they're pretty light. They're trail capable. All those bikes, it's. Great to see other companies jumping on board and making some really lighter bikes that are that as long as the bike has kid specific components mm-hmm. and it's that kid specific geometry with a little bit more of clearance for stand over height when they jump off, you can't go wrong. Just don't don't get a forty pound bike at right. the department because yeah. it's just going to be yeah. painful for them. <laughs> the other name Cannondale that that popped up in my research um, that has a twenty five pound. Uh, kids bike trek roscoe specialized mm-hmm. rip rock um those are names to look for when you're looking for it um and then that that kind of takes us to what we're going to talk about next show which is from the 24 pound mountain bike to the bike that they'll take on their first maybe nika race right mm-hmm. your boys have raced though right I know Wars has kids races and whatnot. They haven't done Wars race. That's part of kind of being balanced and keeping them active but really not overdoing it. Mm -hmm. We do find other 
friends that have kids around that age or introduce their friends from school to mountain biking. So so we have a, a group of people that can go and enjoy, whether it's on the bike or off the bike, mm-hmm. keeps their interest. Um, also, going camping, meeting other kids that ride. Um, it's going paddleboarding, going for a run, going hiking. you got to keep it all even. You can't right. just say, hey, we're going to ride because the kids are going to get sick of it. So sometimes they say, eh, we don't want to go riding. Let's go to a pool. We'll go to a pool. Yeah. I know it sounds like, oh, no, we should be riding. They're young. They got time. Sure. They can handle a bike better than most adults already at this point, even by riding once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you don't want to do is burn them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and so we kind of stayed away from the racing. We did some, when we were very little, I think four years old, we did a so America tour of Dairyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of race uh, was one block around and the boys took one too so uh, ended up winning uh, and ever since they just said we already did a race we don't want to race now so we just listen to them and have fun on the trail cool well that's uh that's that's the end of that segment so we're going to take you next show we're going to take you from the first two-wheeler up to their first nika bike so mm-hmm. uh you Stay tuned. That. Yes. But uh, the show is called Ask the Bicycle Doctor, and I'm about to read a question from Bill Greenwood. Uh, Dear Doctor, I enjoy the new podcast and learned a few things along the way. I'm an old mountain biker, but new to fat bikes. I know tire pressure is important to fat bike ride quality. I've seen general ideas on what PSI to use depending on terrain, but I would also think that there are many variables to consider, such as tire size, rider weight, etc. Do you have any pointers for dialing in the ideal PSI? Hmm. I'm going to take the first shot at this one because I think I have a unique way of testing PSI, and that is I don't squeeze the tire with my hand because I got the arthritis and I run big tires, and it's hard to get a real gauge of how how squishy your tire is, right? And then I'm going to take this into the general way is I'm going to sit on my tire. I'm going to straddle that, that tire, and I'm going to, like, bounce up and down a little bit. And you think, well, that's all. I'm going to put all of my body's weight on that tire because it one point in the ride, you're going to be riding on just one tire. Anytime you manual, you're riding just on that rear tire. So you want to feel what all of your weight on one tire is going to be. Um, and for soft sand and snow riding, you want to flatten that tire almost out. The, the side knobs, you want to touch the ground yes. uh, when you put all of your weight on there. And it should you should reduce the the letter height of the tire, the height of the tire by half. You know, it should be fairly squishy. For really soft snow and sand, you would want to put one pretty good wrinkle in there uh, at that initial point. And you might only have four PSI if you want to put a number to it. Um, And when you get a bike, when you get your bike out in the field and you've got it riding well, you want to start to make some mental notes, take out your digital gauge and See, when you're really hooking up and the snow is, you're in corn snow that's n- not groomed, you want to take that reading and mm. may put that in your noggin is, well, yeah, three is, is where I'm at. Take note of the width of your tires, et cetera. But one of the things, the question uh, that, that Bill asked was, 
tire size and rider weight. Um, by sitting on the tire, you you make up that variable for the rider weight. Tire size, well, I don't know how much between a 4.8 and a 4.0, how much psi difference there's going to be, but I suppose you could chart that if you... Yeah, that's a, a, you brought two very good points, the digital gauge mm-hmm. and the experience. Yeah. That's something that you just... Uh, for those of us who have been mountain biking, fat biking for, for, for a few decades, you just know it. Yeah. And, and, and so it's hard to explain that in one answer here. Right. But yeah, you got to go out and test it out. Now in dirt... I've got some numbers that I that I pretty much like mixed mixed uh, surface riding from pavement to gravel. I'll run ten to twelve psi. Single track in the dirt, I'm going to go seven and a half to eight and a half. It's pretty works pretty dang well, and I don't bottom out and I don't get a lot of flats. And I should mention that that is these are all tubeless because. Yes, I don't run tubeless. Tubes tubeless anything. is we were kind of assuming everybody runs tubeless by now, especially on the mountain bikes or fat bikes. The digital gauges again very important. If you try to use a floor pump with the gauge, that's not accurate enough. Right. I know I like to run twelve point nine in the front and thirteen point four in the back. Yeah. It all depends on the tire size because obviously the the bigger the tire, you're going to lower the pressure. Rider weight. I wouldn't recommend for somebody who's 180 pounds to run the pressure that I run at 150 pounds. Right. You know? So that's a big thing. So it's a very, very uh, individual thing. But magic numbers uh, for me, 12 as my max. I mean, I, I talked to my buddy Andy Olson. We did a race this spring, and he was running 20 PSI. I'm like, oh my, that's like wooden rims. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, wow. Okay, that'll bounce you right <laughs> off. Yeah, you do need that. You need that give because it's part of your suspension. It's part of your traction, right. and it's and, and tubeless is the way to go. Yeah, and uh, so twelve is my max. Ten for mm-hmm. mixed media. Ten will get you through almost all of the non-soft stuff. Um, it it will work well on the pavement. It'll work well on gravel. It'll work okay in in. Uh, Single track, but if you get out there and you're at 10, if you start with 10 and you're getting bounced around, uh, one, here's, here's a trick that I use is I use the 1001, 1002. That's two PSI in a four or a four and a half inch tire. And you should be running those, those like, you should be running those 3.8 tires on single track. Uh, so that, and, that's a good thing to know. And then right? the important thing is don't forget to bring your pump. Yeah, because if you let yeah. too much out, uh, <laughs> the, the, the CO2 isn't going to last too very long. Right. So and bring bring a pump. I always bring a pump because even though I get the pressure dialed, you you might lose a little pressure out there. You might burp a tire, and it's right. very important. Unless you're like walking in the <laughs> woods and with hundred mosquitoes on you, bring a pump. It's true. Yes, and CO2s. Just FYI, they make really nasty uh, sealant boogers in your tire because they're. Because it freezes that sealant up. So if you want to keep the critters out of there, bring a pump. Good good pump. High-volume pump is what I recommend. All right. So there you go. And snow, go low. <laughs> the thing on, on snow is if, you're, if your front wheel is washing out, um, take air out. When in doubt, let it out. Yeah. If you're, if you're losing traction, let it out. And uh, 
Yeah, you can go pretty dang low as long as you're not hitting the rims. So, that's a, that's a tire pressure question. Thanks for bringing that in. Bill Greenwood from Earth. He's from planet Earth. Ooh, we like that. So, question number two we have uh, is from, he's kind of a, a site super fan, Elroy, Trevor Hughes, out there in Canada. Sweet. Hey, Doc, I've got a 2014 Da Vinci Troy. It's making what could be described as a rusty hinge noise coming from the bottom bracket. (laughs) I can feel a noticeable drag when I pedal, and there is an accompanying rubbing noise as well. It does this intermittently and doesn't seem to matter what gear I'm in. It It does do it mostly when pedaling under load. He's replaced his press fit bottom bracket and had the rear pivots serviced. Any thoughts? So many thoughts. So many thoughts. First thought is, <laughs> isn't every noise coming from the bottom bracket? <laughs> I know. It's it's true. Uh, it seems like every customer that comes in with a creak is like, oh, yeah, my bottom bracket's creaking. And that's, yeah. That, that's like going to your, your cardiologist and diagnosing yourself that you, you have a chest pain. But right. Could be acid reflux. Be your intercoastal muscle pain. Could be a, a rib out of uh, out of alignment and pinching a nerve. Could be many things. So, oh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's good. It's just somebody <laughs> trying to call. That was, um, I, I thought that was uh, the alarm. So, uh, yeah, you know, especially carbon bikes amplify noise, and I just decreaked my carbon fat bike that it it took me a while and i started with the bottom bracket and then i moved to the cinch direct mount chain ring um and i ended up replacing both of those things and it still creaked (laughs) and then i replaced the pedals because i bottom brackets was it (laughs) i think it was partially the cinch uh chain ring um, so, it, it, but it still creaked. And then I went to the headset and then the stem and bar interfaces and didn't replace all those, but took it apart, cleaned it, re-greased it. Mm-hmm. And I was like 90% creak free at that point. And then I noticed that when I really got on the rear brakes, it was Given me some pretty good creaking, so I'm like, okay. I retightened and retorqued the center lock disc brake, and then it still creaked. And so I took apart the all of the uh, through axle and cleaned all of those interfaces. And when I looked at those, I was like, oh yeah, it, it, there was contamination in on every one of those surfaces. So dirt, right? Because I ride my bike like a maniac, and I don't clean it that much. So, I cleaned that, and finally, dude, while I was suffering at Blue Mound, at least my bike wasn't creaking. Oh, man, I thought you were going with the, the that it was your hip in the end. <laughs> no. Wasn't no. Your well, and, and the thing is, with it's, it's really hard to diagnose it unless you're on the bike. So, if you have a creaky issue... The best thing is bring it to your bicycle person, mm. professional that you trust. Have them ride it 
because mm-hmm. it could be it could be a derailleur hanger, uh, it could be uh, a hub, it could be a skewer or through axle. Mm-hmm. So there's what, what I tend to do is get on the bike and ride it when the customer brings a bike, and and then you can kind of narrow with your own ears and your experience where it might be coming from. And always start with the easiest things. Yeah, grease that, grease the skewer, grease that uh, derailleur hanger, and then the last thing I would always do is dig into the the bottom. We, didn't we have a bike, a fat bike with a creek here in the shop? And you found it. It was the it was right, finally the pedals. It was the right pedal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, th- that seems like maybe it should have been the first thing we replaced, and we went chasing around and couldn't find it. And yeah, sometimes the you know if you have a cinch. Direct bound chain ring. I would I would check that yes. early in the yeah. in the that's that's the important yeah the, it, that's it's pretty easy to check yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's sometimes it, it's a luck you, yeah. you you think it's one thing and boom you got it and sometimes you check other things and you think you you this the next thing is this is gonna get rid of it and it doesn't right so going back to the question um, it could be it could be it could be a bottom bracket still maybe it, who right. knows who replaced it. And yeah. added in there is this is a full suspension bike with pivots. And yeah. I always say to somebody that is showing off their brand new full suspension wonder rig, um, the question I ask is, does it squeak yet? Because if it doesn't, it's going to. <laughs> full suspension bikes are a little more musical than other bikes. It's gotten opinion. better over the years, but yeah. they're still... But f- you know, there's a component that moves, and and you're always going to have a fraction of a millimeter movement of metal on metal. You you're going to have an add sort of in dirt or dust and <laughs> little carbon, maybe you know, and and so uh, good luck with finding the creek is my answer. But yeah. uh, it could yeah. be there, I would check the the rear wheel, and sometimes you just if you have a compatible wheel, put a different wheel on and see if it does it. You know, just indeed. Take it to take it to your bike professional. Bring them beer or soda or tip them. Maybe just or, give them money. Yes. <laughs> or hey, what would you say? What? Yeah, we we'll gotta pay bills. <laughs> we have to put gas in our car or food in our belly. Any, you some can't point. pay with beer at the gas station. This is true, but if if you could, that would be pretty cool. Our wallets <laughs> would look completely different. It would, we would all have to carry a keg around. Oh, You're like, how much? <laughs> you want it in a glass or you want it right in your mouth? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> well, we do have a tapper here at the shop. so Yeah, and uh, that's where we're at. We're at the bike doctor. Here in Dousman, Wisconsin, beautiful sunny day. Uh, we'll uh, again send out some positive vibrations for uh, for Kyle's dog Mo. Hopefully, he recovers. I think he'll make it. Yeah, a and, tough, tough guy. And some positive vibrations to you guys out there. Send us some questions. Uh, next show, we're going to talk about how to take your kids from their first real mountain bike to their first mountain Nike bike. There and we'll go. talk a little bit. Maybe we'll have uh, one of our Nika coaches on to talk about uh, well, what their thoughts on it are. Kyle was a Nika coach. Oh, there you go. Kyle, come back. Come back. So you can uh, send those questions to gomez at fat-bike.com. That's my email. And just put uh, Ask the Doctor in there. Or you can post it in the, in the comments. And uh, that's what we got this week. So 
Any uh, closing thoughts there? Just keep riding. All right, guys. Have a good uh, good ride. Take your bike out. And uh, yeah, my suggestion is always to listen to a podcast on your little portable speaker on your Bluetooth speaker while you're while you're riding along. It helps those pedestrians know you're coming when they hear Gomez say. Cucaroots! <laughs> <laughs>